0: So, Trey got us started last week with this big question of what is the mission of the church and so looking from generation Genesis all the way to revelation uh, we can see god 's plan to bring salvation um, to all nations to the ends of the earth to every tribe tongue and people group and so last week we talked about how the main vehicle that God has designed to Accomplish that mission is the local church, and that the mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then gathering those disciples into churches so that they can obey all that Jesus commands. So the the goal of this is to glorify God in the church, and I, I, that's really really key. Everything we're going to talk about today, we want to understand that. What is the mission of the church? Well, it's to glorify God. What's the mission um, for us as individuals? It's to glorify God uh, through the local church. It's a primary vehicle God has given us. So um, Paul says in Ephesians 3, it's through the church that God's manifold wisdom is made known. And so through the church, the the nations witness God's glory and they hear the good news um, that sinners can be reconciled to God. Uh, By turning from their sin and trusting in Christ as their Lord and Savior, so today what I want us to tackle is is as we understand what is the mission of the church, is then what is that? What how does that apply to me? What's my mission? What's my mission within the church? And so, uh, Christ gives the Great Commission in Matthew twenty eight. We've we've included it on your handout, and the handout will be super helpful. To say if you don't have a handout, you just want to raise your hand. Joy will grab you one, but they'll be super helpful. Uh, today, but in a nutshell, it's that all Christians are called uh, to fulfill this great commission. We are all called to be great commission Christians, and so I want us to talk today about what are the characteristics of a great commission Christian. And so the the first element is that great commission Christians know the gospel. They know the gospel. So last night. I uh, grilled burgers for my family uh, in a little Weber grill uh, out out behind the house, and uh, I, you know, I took the, the normal uh, process. We, we I got my charcoal out. I had this little metal chimney thing that the charcoal goes in. I put these little, uh, those are called tumbleweeds, they're little um, uh, fire starters in there, and then uh, just for good measure, I doused it with a lighter fluid because we were... Uh, in a hurry, All right? And then I light the tumbleweeds, uh, which then light the uh, the lighter fluid, and this huge flame shoots up. And then eventually that dies down. But we have to wait a while uh, for the charcoal to get going uh, until it's really going. And when it's good and hot, then I pour those charcoal that charcoal out into the grill. I put the gr- uh, the grill plate back down, and then I can throw my meat on it. Now, a, a mistake that could easily be made is when you look at how quick the tumbleweeds catch and how bright they burn and how hot they burn, or with that lighter fluid and that huge flame uh, that shoots up, we might begin to think that that is the fuel that's going to cook the dinner for my family. But in reality, uh, that, while that's bright and big, it doesn't last Uh, what, What I have to have is that charcoal. I have to have that good fuel that's going to last. And the charcoal that we got going and that kept going actually was still hot long after my family had finished eating. Long after I had cooked everything and taken off the grill and we had gone inside and eaten and cleaned up and come back outside, everything was still hot because it was good fuel and it would burn for a while. And, and why that's important for us to talk about that this morning is because I think a mistake that we can make as Great Commission Christians is constantly trying uh, to, to kind of muster ourselves up to accomplish the Great Commission what, with what is in effect just lighter fluid. Um, you know, we don't, I don't cook my burgers by just pouring a bunch of lighter fluid down into the bottom of the, of the grill uh, and then lighting that and you know, flash burning my, my frozen burgers or whatever else. That would not work. It would cause a big flame, might even cause a cool explosion, but it would not do what I need it to do. And so when we talk about um, talk about being a Great Commission Christian, I want us first and foremost to know that you, you have to have good fuel. And the good fuel of the Great Commission is the gospel. The gospel is what's going to keep us going. The gospel is what is going to continue to drive us. We might supplement that with things like, uh, conversations about great physical need that accompanies um, those who don't also know the gospel. That might, might spark some things. that might light some things up for us. We might read great missionary biographies, and I, I highly recommend that you read great missionary biographies. Those can help spark things. They can, they can uh, get you going quickly, but they won't last and they won't last. Just because we talk about strategy and sacrificial stories and whatever else isn't going to be what keeps us going in the Great Commission. But what will keep us going is that when we have a heart of a God glorifying mission fueled by the gospel. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance, first importance, what I also received watch here, he doesn't then tell them of all of the incredible uh, adventures he's been on to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and being bitten by snakes and, and, uh, and shipwrecked. No, no, he's not going to tell them uh, uh, just about the great physical need he found in those places where, where, where uh, people needed uh, money or food or whatever else. No, 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 he's going to take them of first importance is the gospel that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Out of all that Paul could tell them and has told them, that the gospel is the most important. And, and did you notice that, that Paul said he delivered what he received? So we're to do the same. He's, he's setting the pattern that we're to take. If we're going to be great commission. Christians. We're to take what we've received and deliver it to others. So it's like what Paul says in Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message of Christ. And so as we are uh, taking what we've received and delivering it to others, we're part of uh, faith transferring from one to the next. But we can't proclaim what we don't know. So that's why, first and foremost, Great Commission Christians know the gospel. As one uh, author put it, the generation that assumes the gospel is the generation that is most responsible for the loss of the gospel. Whew, that's weighty on us. We don't want to assume the gospel. You individually, us as a church, we don't want to assume the gospel. Instead, we want, we want to know it and know it well in, a, in that compact way in which is going to then fuel us for the long term. So when we talk about the gospel, we want to sum it up by trying to answer four key questions. First, who is God? Secondly, who are we? Third, who is Christ? And fourth, how do we respond? Well, when we're, when we're talking about who is God, there's a lot for us to talk about here, but the big things are is that he's, he's holy. I mean say so he's set apart. He's pure. He's He's eternal. He's always existed, he always will exist, and he's the creator of all things, and as the creator of all things, he's in charge of all things. So those are some big key elements of who God is. And then who are we? Well, first and foremost, we were created in his likeness. We're created for a unique relationship with him, but we have sinned. We've separated ourselves, we've rebelled, we've run away from him. And because of that, we've severed that relationship between us and in such a way that we've broken it in a way that we can never repair it. We're constantly adding to the break, not adding to the solution of, of our own redemption, of our own salvation. Because we've willfully rebelled against God, our ruler, and sought to be the ruler of our own lives, then we, we, what we deserve is Eternal punishment, eternal separation in hell under God's wrath for our sin. That's who we are. So who is God? He's holy and perfect and the creator of all things. And who are we? Well, we're made to be in relationship with him, but we've run from him. And what we deserve is wrath. But who is Christ? Well, God did not leave us to ourselves, but in his great goodness and mercy, he gave his one and only son, to live the life that we should live and to die the death we deserve to die so he could pay the penalty for our sins. And then conquering sin and death, rising from the grave so that we can trust in him. To pay the penalty, to redeem us. And so, so what do we do? Well, we respond to that. We, and the twofold, uh, two sides to the same coin response of believing in him, faith in him, that trust that he has done what we could not do and he has completed it and um, that he is our Lord. We repent and we believe. We turn away from trusting in ourselves. We turn to him and we trust in him to save us, to forgive us, to bring us into a right relationship with him and to do so eternally. That's the great hope that we have, the hope that is stored up for us in heaven. That's not something that we can we can diminish or tear away or they can be stolen from us. Instead, he stores it for us eternally. These are, these are the great truths, hopes of the gospel. So you need to know the gospel. But if you're following along, secondly, in inside of you, we need to share the gospel. We need to share the gospel. And so we need to preach this gospel to others. Um. You need to, to, to practice the ability to share just the four, answering those four questions. Um, can, you, can you do that? Can you answer those four questions uh, for others? Do you, um, are you putting yourself in positions to be able to recite that uh, to someone? So um, let me encourage you. If that would be tricky for you, well, there's some great books. There's some great books on our bookstall. Um, you can order those uh, through us, like What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert, um and then pr- practice it practice talk sharing the gospel so that you can practice sharing it with others particularly those who've never trusted in the gospel who've never trusted in Jesus Christ to save them and then work hard to to put yourselves in places where you can do that um there's a um there's an often misunderstood and misquoted phrase about um we should Preach the gospel always, and if necessary, uh, use words. And while that may sound great on the outside, Ligon Duncan, I think, really pins us down on that when he says that 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 would be like saying, uh, feed others, and if necessary, use food. Um, At the heart of this idea that we're to preach the gospel, which is an expectation for us from Scripture, is that we are opening our mouths to share the good news of the gospel with others, which means we need to know it. And then we need to push ourselves to share it. But not only preach the gospel to others, preach the gospel to yourself. Constantly remind yourself that there is a holy God who has created all things and he's made you to be in relationship with him. But you have sinned and you continue to sin. You continue to rebel and run, run away from him. And he has given you Christ who then calls you to repent and believe to turn away from your sin and instead to more faithfully follow after him. We constantly preach that gospel to ourselves. If you are in the practice of sharing the gospel regularly with others and with yourselves, that will fuel our mission towards completing the Great Commission. There will be a fuel that doesn't easily uh, wither and fade, doesn't flash. Um, Instead, it sustains. Thirdly, now, this is uh, number two in your programs, number three in your hearts. Sorry for my, for my uh, uh, misprint here. But number three is Great Commission Christians count the cost. So they know the gospel, they preach the gospel, but they count the cost. They know um, what is necessary to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. In Luke 14, Jesus had quite a fan club that had built up and was surrounding him. And people were loving the miracles and the healings he was performing. Um, they treated him like the next big thing. They, they desired what they could get from Jesus rather than, than desiring who Jesus was and to be in a relationship with him. Not for the auxiliary benefits, but for him and him alone. And so seeing straight through this, Jesus lays out the terms of what it means to be a Great Commission Christian, to be one of his disciples. He says, "Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he's had enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation, is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, 'This man began to build and was not able to finish.' So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple." This is. This is an important question to ask ourselves. H- have you renounced all other things, all other claims to fame, all other priorities? Is Christ your number one priority, or is he just like a top five? Like, like he's pretty high up there, right? Um, but, but he's not number one. He, he's not the exclusive goal. Have you, have you renounced everything else and set aside everything else so that you can gain only what you cannot lose, in Christ. I think that's what, where Paul pushes us in Philippians 3 here when he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. A great commissioned Christian has counted the cost, has counted as lost everything else. Indeed, I count everything as loss, he says in verse 8, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. If we're to be great commissioned Christians to fulfill this commission that God has given us through the church, then we have to count the cost. College student, right now, count the cost. Freshman, senior, wherever you are in the mix, count the cost. And then know that the cost is worth it. Look at this great quote from Jim Elliott, who's the namesake of my son. Uh, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It is totally worth the cost. It's absolutely worth it. And we need to know that that's the kind of fuel that's going to keep us going in the long term. Fourthly, and or thirdly in your handout, Great Commission Christians, join a church. Great Commission Christians, join a church. We are not intended to do this alone. This is not a solo sport. This is not a solo endeavor. We love solo endeavors. Have if you, if you watched the documentary Solo about the guy who climbs, uh, thank you, uh, all by himself? Fantastic, mind-blowing, incredible. Not the gospel. Not the gospel. And what's important to even notice, even in that, he's not solo, Right? In that moment, he might appear to be solo, but he has had this incredible support team that's worked with him for months and years to get him to the place where he can achieve that. We are not called to do the Christian life solo. We're called to do it within a body. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. Here in your handout. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And that word there, member, is really important. Because as Christians... Um, we talk about being members of a church, and our culture has co-opted that word and borrowed it and used it uh, for social clubs, for Sam's, for wh- wherever, wherever you're a, you're a member. And when we think about that, we begin to think about it as a place where you've bought in to get certain privileges, and that's not the biblical way that we use this word member. Instead, we need to think about it, as he does here, as, as a member of the body, um, a, a part to it, a part that contributes to the whole, that plays an important role. So the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong in the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. This is your calling. As Christ has called you to salvation, he has called you to a family and to a body. And that, as that plays out within uh, different areas and different geographic spaces, different cultures, those look like local bodies of people who have gathered together around the gospel to make disciples to the ends of the earth. And so if you're going to be a Great Commission Christian on this campus, then join a church. We would love for you to join our church. We would also love to make sure you join a church, a gospel preaching Great Commission church. And so if it's not this one, we would love to make sure you find the right one. And we would love it to be this one. And, so, and then let me ask those of you who have joined or who have invested here, um, have you taken that next step to become a member here? Membership says, I'm in. I've raised my hand. I went in. I'm contributing to this body. I want to be held accountable to contributing to this body, and I want you to contribute to me. As an elder, um, I'm, I look across our membership and I look for the needs within our body, and and I, I also see peripherally those who are around our body, who who hang out here a lot, who are in, who are connected in different ways. But my priority is to zero in on those who have said, "Hey, I, please, please care for me. Look, look after me. Help me to look after others." I want to contribute. To this, By raising your hand and taking on that membership, you're taking on those responsibilities and, yes, privileges that do come with being a part of this body. And so, Christian, if you've been here, culture, if you've been here for a while, why not be a member of our body? Why not jump in and let us encourage you in that way and be encouraged by you in that way? And then... Um, part of that should look like that members are caring for one another. And one of the key ways as great commission Christians that we care for others within the body is that we look to be discipled within the body. We look for the body to care for us and to, to grow us in Christ. And so do you have someone who's discipling you? Do you have someone who regularly meets with you, opens God's word with you, helps you understand it and apply it to your life, holds you accountable to those things? That might be in a really formal sense. It might be uh, in a more informal sense. But who who would you look at in our body and say, that person is intentionally investing in me one-on-one? Not just from the pulpit, not just over a large group, but that person knows me, knows what I'm going through, and is helping me understand scripture and apply it to my life. If you can't fill in the blank there, we would love to help you fill in that blank. Come talk to us. Talk to one of the interns. We'd love to connect you with someone to be that person in your life. Our body would love to care for the members of our body in that way. Because if you're going to be a great commission Christian, one of the, you need to be a great Christian. What I mean by that is not that you're like uh, a superhero Christian, but it means someone who is growing, uh, expanding in their faith, rooted in their faith, uh, pressing out sin in every corner. And one of the great ways to do that is to have someone who's helping you do that is discipling you. That's how you're going to go forward uh, from here to be a Great Commission Christian. But you to do that, then I also want you to be uh, Great Commission Christians, prioritize the word. In their individual lives and corporately. All scripture is breathed out by God. This is a great passage for you to memorize. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's it's profitable. It's useful to to teach you for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that, that last phrase there at the end is the work of the Great Commission. It's the every good work is the work of the fruit of the Spirit playing out in our lives and playing out in such a way that we're, we're sharing the gospel with others. It's how it connects to Matthew 5 when he says that we are salt and light. And so that the men of this world would see our good works, same good works, same side, and they would turn and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And so as we're working to be that light, that means the fruit of the Spirit needs to be working itself out in our life. And what has God given us as a chief way to work that out? Well, he's given us his word. It's useful to teach you what is right, to reproof, to call you out when you are wrong, but not just to leave you there like the gospel, to correct you, right? To turn you back towards what is right, and then to walk with you in that, to train you in that. And so prioritize the gospel individually and corporately. Individually, that means have a plan for how you're going to read God's word, be intentional about how you uh, ingest it on, on multiple levels, how you, how you hear God's word, how you read God's word, how you study God's word, how you meditate on it, think on it, let, the, let it marinate in your mind, how you apply that in your life, how you memorize it, how you quote it others, there are so many different ways to prioritize God's word individually. There are great apps that help you do this, ones that, that, read, that you can read, others that read it to you, others that remind you of it. There are great ways to infuse this into your life. But then also corporately. So if you're still in the search for a church, be looking for a church that is going to prioritize God's word for you. That it's going to expound upon God's word that puts God's word central to your life. If, if you're a part of our church, then hold us to that. Make sure that we as UBC never stray from putting God's word central. And then capitalize on that. Be here to hear God's word. What's great about Church on Sunday is there will be someone who is an expert in God's word, who has spent 15 or 20 hours enmeshed in a text, to try to try to understand it and deliver it to you in a way that you can understand it. And in just a little bit, he's going to bring that to you. You get to... to Reap the benefits of all of those hours in God's Word, and you get to walk away with nuggets of it to apply to your life. You absolutely have to prioritize being a part of a church and taking advantage of the fact that as a church, we prioritize God's Word corporately. But lastly here, Great Commission Christians make disciples. Great Commission Christians make disciples. It, that this is what we started with was the great commission go and make disciples All right th- those those are linked together and so primarily you need to be a disciple maker if you're going to be a great commission christian be a disciple maker which is a Great reason to, again, to be a part of our church. That's why the mission of this church is to grow you as a disciple maker. And we have tons of opportunities, whether you're an upperclassman or you're a freshman. It doesn't matter. We have tons of opportunities for you to invest in this body, whether that's people that are younger than you uh, physically or younger than you in the faith or Even as you guys contribute into this ecosystem and this this conversation, you are helping to grow me as a disciple. Every conversation that I have with you, as I prepared to teach this this week, this grew me as a disciple. Your investment in this is intentional. But just as we want someone who intentionally meets with you, who knows you and helps you understand God's word and applies it to your life, who then falls into that category for you? Who do you know well? Who do you read God's word with often? Who do you help understand it and apply it to their life, their specific uh, places in life? Who do you regularly pray for as Paul prayed for Timothy and Titus and the Colossians and every church that he had the opportunity to make disciples in? So who are you seeking to disciple right now? And how are you growing in that skill set as a disciple maker? So what does that look like? Well, it starts even as a college student thinking about some of the strategic decisions that you make, like live in a dorm uh, in order to reach freshmen. Maybe you come back as an RA, or maybe you just stick around um, living, uh, living in those dorms. Join, a, join an RSO like the BCM, right, or others that are on campus that are helping you intentionally connect with other lost students on campus. Become a part of the iFriend program, the friend an international student who's come uh, from someplace... Uh, else in the world who may not have much access to the gospel there, and, and invest in that relationship. Maybe you need to consider being a part of a church plant with us. Probably in the next year, Trey is going to lead our church to, to plant a church, maybe here in northern Arkansas, maybe over in Tulsa. Many of you need to be praying about whether you need to be on that team that helps plant that church, if it's here or even if it's in Tulsa. Maybe you need to start praying now and start researching now. What would it look like for you to transfer uh, to Tulsa University? Finish out your degree there so you could be a part of that church plant. Make those kind of critical decisions. Some of you are going to graduate in this next year. And maybe where you need to be looking for a job is wherever Trey is going to plant, um, whether that's in Tulsa or here. Or maybe it's even if you're not going to go with Trey but you're intentionally saying, okay, well, well, UBC, where are other church plants that you guys know about? Where are other places where gospel work is starting? I want to look for jobs there. See how that, that begins to change how we think about where we're going to go, and that changes how we think about what we're going to do. The, the gospel and becoming a great commissioned Christian changes everything. So, so what needs to change in your life for that to happen? For you to be a disciple maker. For you to be a great commissioned Christian. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to change everything. You don't have to wipe the slate clean. It could mean that. But I'm going to ask, what, what are even the small things that need to change today that will open up your, your life, open up the opportunities for you to be a great commissioned Christian? And then where will you make disciples? It, it should be, first, it should be, of course, here. But beyond that, where else are you going to make disciples? We're not going to just say, well, I make disciples here. That checks my box. I don't need to make disciples anyplace else. We're not going to fall into that trap. You need to start here and go there. So where else will you go? Some of you need to be ready to go overseas. to to go cross-culturally, to spend the rest of your life in another culture, learning that culture, making disciples in that culture. Some of you need to to get those kind of experiences with us in the next year so you can figure out if that's going to be your spot. Some of you need to to already be having conversations with your parents to prepare them for the fact that that might be where you end up, that you end up in a place, taking a job, doing something where you can make disciples cross-culturally in a way that they may not be prepared for yet. But start those conversations now, ask and answer these questions we've put before you today. You, some of you may be able to write those answers in right now. Who's discipling me? Who am I seeking to disciple? Where will I do that? What needs to change? But the rest of you may need to take some time this afternoon, this week, to meditate on these and answer these questions. Because if we are going to be Great Commission Christians and part of a Great Commission church, then we have to allow this fuel to change us in such a way that we make disciples wherever we go. Let me pray for us, and you guys can get into your, your discussion groups for just a little bit. Oh, Jesus, we want to be great commissioned Christians, but we don't want to just be pumped up by someone who gets excited about it up here. We don't want to just be fueled by light things that, uh, that burn away quickly. Instead, we want to be fueled by your gospel and so changed by it. That we would change everything in our lives to be able to take the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Thank you for the myriad of opportunities you've given us on our campus and here at UBC. Lord, we pray that you would also continue to open our eyes to how you have opened other doors to the ends of the earth. And Lord, we pray that one day when we celebrate with you in heaven all the things that you've done, along with that, we will celebrate how people in this room made disciples to the ends of the earth how some of them even gave their very lives to take the gospel to the ends of the earth because you are worth it and your glory is worth it. We pray these things in the precious and holy name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.